0: Well, good morning. It's an honor to be here for the first week of Pastor Scott's sabbatical. And when he was going on sabbatical, I told him, hey, whatever you need, tell me what week you need, tell me what you need, because I 100% support him having this opportunity to be on a sabbatical. I know the entire elder board's 100% in support. And so part of what I'm doing as an individual is first um, filling in and starting this um, time for him. And then also as an individual, you know, there's times we'll all be on vacation over the summer, things like that. But when I'm in town, it's going to be just like business as usual for me in terms of my church involvement, because I want to be at the end of this to be able to say, hey, we did everything we could to make this church what it should be where you're gone, Pastor Scott, and for his return to be an excellent one in, in three months. So we're looking forward to what we're going to be able to do over the summer and what we're going to be part of. And so we're on the final week of this series, and then we start a new series next week, um, which will be on the book of First John and I'm excited about that and what we're going to be learning over the summer. There's something wrong with me. 75% of children will say that when they talk about the way they look. There's something wrong with me. If you go to add in the 18 to 21-year-old's age group, it goes up to 80%. There's something wrong with me. People who were 12 to 21 were asked how they react when someone says something negative to them about their appearance. Here are the answers they got they keep their upset feelings to themselves, they withdraw and spend time alone. Excessive exercise, trying to fix whatever the problem is. Stop socializing with friends. Drastically reduce restricting food intake, harming themselves physically, misusing alcohol or drugs, messaging someone they don't know. There's something wrong with me, and those feelings don't stop when you turn 21. We're in this series that Pastor Scott's been leading us on, um, all of us, and the big idea of the series is following Jesus requires all of you and transforms all of you. And it comes from a verse that we've been looking at in Mark's gospel, um, which Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That word for strength in the Hebrew, when this is written in the, the Shema, um, is the Hebrew word miyad, and it has the idea for strength or might or force. Interestingly, this word mayad it 's it, because it 's often used when you 're talking about might of God having a mighty hand and it 's talked about god it 's used to to express um, something that that um, is intensifying in action. so the word very or much in in, in Hebrew will often be this word also because of god 's action is is an extreme it 's it's, it's super strong, and so very and much is also a word that comes off of that, but the idea has strength or might or force. When we get to the New Testament and we're in Greek, it's iskus, which is the Greek word for strength and power and force and ability. And when we think of this one uh, compared with the other three that we've looked at over the weeks, this one's coming back to our bodies. This is how we're loving God with our body. The big idea today is this. If I want to love God with my body, then I'm going to need to develop a biblical view of my body. If I want to love God with my body, then I need to develop a biblical view of my body. And this is a challenge because it contradicts our society's teaching from the beginning of civilization, which is whispering different things to us about our body. So the question we have today is, how do I love God with my body? Three things we're going to look at. First one is this. I need a mindset change. The mindset is this. I must believe that my body is good. I thought about doing something. I'm going to let you off the hook. I'm not going to have you do it. But I was going to have everyone raise their hand who could comfortably say, I love my body. (laughs) And I know from the research... (laughs) That over 80% of you would not be comfortable raising your hand to that question. Think back to creation. God creates the world and uh, there's five days where he does different acts of creation. And at the end of each day, he says, it was good. And then we get to day six of creation. And God creates us. He creates human beings. Genesis 1 27 tells us this, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. That we are created in the image of God. In fact, When God finishes that day of creation, he saw all that he made, and it was not good, but this time it's very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. God creates us, and he looks at creation, and he says, it is very good. Jess Connolly's written a book, Breaking Free from Body Shame. And in that book, she talks about these days of creation. And she talks about the Hebrew word, which I just gave you a hint of a minute ago, for the word for very. And, and again, that's the word maod. And it has the Hebrew word for very. And, and it can be translated muchness. In other words, when God finishes creating us on day six, he looks at us and he says Ah, it is muchness good. I just love that phrase. Muchness good. God created you. He created you in his image. I mean, just think about that phrase. I am an image bearer. God created me in his image. And he doesn't make mistakes he wasn't holding back when he created you it's not like he had something in reserve just in case he needed to create something else he wasn't holding back he created you muchness good and you know what the very first temptation in the history of the world attacked this straight on Satan comes in and seeks to tempt Adam and Eve. And Eve says, no, we're not supposed to touch that tree. We're not supposed to eat from that tree. And Satan says, no, if you do that, you're not going to die. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Eve, God created you, but he's holding back. He didn't create you muchness good. He created you so, so good. He's holding back. You could have more. You're missing something. You could be better. You could be like God. And Adam and Eve choose to sin. And one of the consequences of that is the eyes of both of them were opened. They knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. They felt shame. Why did they feel shame? Oh, probably a number of reasons. But one of the reasons that they felt shame is they had just been told, you are not that good. You are lacking something. You're missing something. For the first time in the history of the world, a person was told, there's something wrong with you. You're missing something. You're lacking something. You're not good enough. Oh, this false teaching continued on and was existing in the early church, there was a major heresy that took place and it's the heresy of Gnosticism. Just pretend the G isn't there and you'll pronounce it correctly. Um, Gnosticism and Gnosticism had the idea of this, the spirit is good, the physical is bad. So the spirit is good, the physical is bad. And this led to this radical Greek dualism where everything that was of the spirit's good, everything of the body is bad. And so Gnostics in the first century would believe that that your body is bad and everything about your body isn't bad, but there's a little spark inside of you that's just the spirit and the soul of you, and that is good. So that would lead Gnostics to two different extremes. One is you starve the body. The other is, hey, you might as well do whatever you want because it's a bad body anyway. Who cares what happens to it? So there were two totally different extremes. So how this plays itself out, um, the, the first century Gnostics um, would believe that Jesus did not have a physical body because how could you have God in a body if a body is bad? They would say, yes, he appeared to have a body, but he didn't really have a body. They also believed that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Because why would you care about raising his body? It's the spirit that matters. It's the soul that matters, not the body. So they denied the resurrection of the dead. There is so much of New Testament teaching that reinforces this theme that you can see here, uh, that it's countering this Gnostic view. In fact, if you want to see some of it, of whether Jesus really had a physical body, if he really rose from the dead, come this summer, it's in 1 John. Where John is making very clear they understand it's a false teaching if you say that Jesus did not have a physical body. So, Marcion, an early church heretic, would forbid marriage. Because marriage would bring pleasure to the body. Gnostics would sometimes beat their bodies. They would ignore any physical pleasures that can come. Any of you runners like to run? Like nobody. (laughs) Okay, we got a runner there. Um, Now... The first time you go out running, there's nothing fun about it. It's just pure pain. There's nothing good about it. But after you've been running for a while, you start to get the endorphins kicking in and things like that happening. And there's a pleasure to it that you're anticipating of how you're going to feel after a good run. To a Gnostic, no, don't do that. You're not going to run if it brings pleasure to your body. And on the opposite side, there'd be people saying, hey, you can sin all you want. You could do whatever you want with your body. It's just your body. Who cares? Thinking of it today, you notice some of the phrases we use? We save souls. When you think of salvation, it's the entire person that's being saved. God's redeeming us. I remember a person who was in ministry years ago, um, and he lived uh, certainly a workaholic lifestyle, um, seven days a week, no breaks, no vacations, nothing like that. And he said, you know why I do that? Because as I've looked at Scripture, um, it's clear that Satan never takes a day off. And since I'm battling what he's doing, I'm not taking a day off either. And so part of me right away was, well, does Scripture say Satan never takes a day off? Maybe it does. I'm not a Satanologist. I'm not an expert in Satan. Um, But then the next thought I had was, why, if you could pick any model to model your life after, why would Satan be your choice? (laughs) And what you're saying directly contradicts what God tells us to do. With Sabbath. So the lifestyle you're living is choosing to follow the model of Satan and ignoring what God is said to do. But it was coming back to that Gnostic idea. Who cares about the body? I could destroy my body. I can harm my body because I have a better goal. Is prayer more important than taking a meal to a widow? Sounds like it's holier. Scripture says religion that's undefiled is this, caring for widows, orphans, and their distress. Is being a missionary more important than serving God in the career that he's called you to? Reality, the world lies to us. It tells us we're more valuable with a certain body type. And God says, No, you were created muchness good. There's a psalm that describes part of that creation. It's Psalm 139, and I'm doing this from the message. It says, Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking body and soul i'm marvelously made i worship in adoration what a creation see body marvelously made you know me inside and out you know every bone in my body you know exactly how i was made bit by bit how i was sculpted from nothing into something Like an open book, you watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. And to understand that our body is good is absolutely vital if we want to love God with all our strength. Today's Mother's Day. I was thinking about the, the many celebrations that will take place on Mother's Day. And I was thinking about a family that's saying, hey, whatever, whatever you, you, you want mom to eat today, we're going to prepare that for you. What, what, what meal do you want? You want to go somewhere? You want to have a meal at home? Whatever it is, we're going to prepare that for you. I was contrasting that with another option of saying, eh, it's Mother's Day, and you know what? There's a lot of leftovers in the fridge. Some of them are going to go bad pretty soon. We could could just pull those out today. That would be a nice Mother's Day meal. One sounds a little more loving than the other, doesn't it? One sounds a little more honoring than the other one. See, it's nearly impossible to love God with all your strength if you don't believe that your body's muchness good, if you're not offering something of value to God. When we reject Gnosticism, we get rid of a hierarchy that says our bodies are not as good. And if our bodies are good, then we could change how we see the work of our bodies, even in our everyday tasks. Andy Kobler has written this. The days I birthed my children were as precious as any prayers I've prayed, if not more so. The nights I sit by my children's beds, wiping their brows and tending to their needs, this work is sacred. Breaking bread with my husband, enjoying coffee with my friends, sitting with my clients in the midst of sorrow, stringing together words as I write another sentence— Walking near the river and noticing the rhythm of the water and my breath. It all counts. There is no hierarchy. And so Paul comes back around in a great verse in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. We have to have a mindset change. My body is good. Then we need some action. I need to listen to my body. See, God created us, it's muchness good, and there's a reality that we are our body. There's no separation between you and your body. There's no you without your body. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Annie Kobler, again, who wrote the book, Try Softer. And the book really fits well with the theme of what we're talking about here. Um, Instead of uh, trying harder and pushing ourselves and uh, straining our bodies all the time, that there's times where we need to listen to our bodies. We need to realize that God created our bodies to communicate to us. She said this, Jesus came to show us the truest best way to be human, not by denying his humanity, but by embracing it, by living in it, by dying in it, and then finally by being resurrected in a glorified body. Jesus loves our humanity. And you realize something? When you become a Christian, when you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, there are so many things that happen at that moment. One of them that happens is the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. That if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit taking up residence. Where? In you, in your body. It leads Paul to say this. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. You see, you were created muchness good, and then at salvation, the Holy Spirit takes residence within you. God values our flesh and bones. He values the tears we cry and the hearts beating within each of us. He sees the emotional and physical bruises we've suffered. Jesus is tender to our humanity. And when we realize that our bodies are muchness good, we honor those moments, the tears, the emotional struggles, the physical challenges. We realize that our bodies are created to worship and love God, that this is the vessel in which we worship God. This is the container in which we serve him. And our body communicates to us. You know, your body's kind of like the dashboard on your car. If you see red lights, one reaction could be, ooh, pretty. <laughs> Go ahead, just push through it. Try harder, drive faster, don't stop. See what happens. Want <laughs> to make sure AAA's paid up. <laughs> That's the temptation at times that we have with our bodies. that we're busy and stress and our bodies communicating, something's wrong, something needs to change, something needs to happen. You know, recently I was driving and um, I had been driving around lunchtime in the Prescott Valley area, which can be just stressful enough as it is and the different lights and things like that. And I had had stopped somewhere and I got a message. And it it was something that was going to, you know, I was going to have to change some things in the afternoon to take care of that issue. But it wasn't a, a big, big deal. And yet I noticed in those next hours how my body was tightening up. And I was right at the edge, and my emotions were just right there, um, ready to explode. The see times, someone driving, and I've seen pictures, or or at times I was driving near someone recently, and and they're just mad as can be. And I was like, wow, you know, what likely happened is the person in front of you is going a little slower than you want. Or maybe they changed lanes at the time you didn't want. But the reaction looks like that person just killed your spouse. <laughs> like, what did they do to have this kind of reaction? And that's what I was thinking at that moment when, when, when I was feeling my body respond to what was happening, is that this is out of proportion. The text and the message I got doesn't deserve this kind of reaction. My body's trying to communicate something to me. What's going on? What's, what's happening there? What's up with that? And when the body gives a warning sign, you're not worshiping God with all your strength. Your body is muchness good. And you're not listening to it. Back a decade ago, that exacerbated my burnout. When my body was communicating to me, I was trying harder and harder and harder and working more and more and more to fix things. Instead of listening to my body and saying, something's wrong here. Oh, sometimes we go through seasons where where things are stressful or things are really busy. But when it's always that season, that's not a season anymore. That's a life. Think of after someone dies and the grief process you go through. The time that it takes for healing. Your body telling you, you need to back off for a while. You need to... Respond to what's happening. If you ignore your grief, you're not going to heal through it. If we don't listen to our bodies, it limits our relationship with God and it hinders our relationship with others. And here's the kicker read through the Gospels. Jesus did this. We see all the time where Jesus is backing off and going and spending time alone, where he's going on a mountain to pray. Are you saying, hey, let's get away from the crowds, just me and the disciples, we just need some time. We can't keep pushing at this pace. We need to back off. The reality is listening to your body is a vital component of loving God with all your strength. Third thing, surrender. I trust God's timing with my body. Now, the reality that may have been entering your head and what you may have been thinking about is, um, yeah, I may have been created muchness good, but my body's deteriorating. (laughs) I'm not the same that I was. Our bodies do face deterioration. We're living in a fallen world, and, and, and our bodies deteriorate as a result. Um, there may be things we've done to our bodies, and so our bodies aren't the same because of maybe some choices we made that weren't the best choices. And there's a promise that God's given about the future. We're going to start with Second Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person, our body's being destroyed, our inner person's being renewed day by day, For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we're anticipating the future. We're anticipating eternity, even as our body's struggling and going through those things. So we don't focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. There's something coming in the future. We can't see it yet, um, but we know it's coming. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. So whatever it is in the future, that's eternal. For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, so we have this earthly tent, our bodies, and it's being destroyed, right? Um, We we started with this brand new tent, and it was a really good tent. Now it's a leaky tent. (laughs) And so we have this earthly tent, and we live in, it's being destroyed, but we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens not made with hands. See the distinction he made there? He calls our our body here a tent. We're going to have a new body in the future. It's a building, from god there's something coming in the future indeed we groan in this tent desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling since when we are clothed we won't be found naked and this is getting back to that idea that gnostic idea here of a spirit without a body and paul's like what in the world is that thought of course we're going to have eternal bodies Indeed, we groan while we're in this tent, burdened as we are, because we don't want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. So you became a Christian, you received the Holy Spirit, the moment you became a Christian, and that's a down payment of what is to come. What is to come is eternity, and what eternity includes is a glorified body. A body that is ideal for exactly what we need for eternity. We will have resurrection bodies. Back in 1 Corinthians, Paul was talking about the same thing. And he says, as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who's fallen asleep. First fruits is what? First fruits is right in an agricultural society. You go out and you bring in the very first of the crop. That's the first fruits. When you have first fruits, what that means is there's more to come. And it's more of the same so jesus rose again and it's the first fruits meaning there's going to be more resurrected bodies just like jesus's for since death came through a man the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man for just as in adam all die so in christ all will be made alive all will have resurrected bodies but each in his own order. Christ first, the first fruits, And afterwards, at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Jesus experienced the first resurrection. There's going to be more resurrections to come. And the resurrection body we're going to receive will be perfectly suited for eternity. We won't be living in this soul, just soul existence without bodies. We will have resurrected bodies. Now... When I think of resurrection bodies, I certainly think of the aches and pains going away, some of the deterioration. I tend to think of some of the things I don't like about my body, too. I think, ooh, finally, six-pack abs, you know? I'm, I'm just going uh, to be whoever I want to be at that point. And uh, uh, thoughts come to me as I've been thinking about this. There's probably going to be a lot more variety in eternity than I may be anticipating. <laughs> In fact, there's a great passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, that talks about Jesus. Doesn't say his name there, but it's clearly talking about the Messiah who's going to come. And when it talks about him, and I don't have the verse here. This is just a free add-on this morning here. <laughs> Isaiah 53, verse 2. Here's what's talking about Jesus God coming in human form. I mean, just think about that. You get to design the body for God on earth. You think, oh, well, I mean, what, what, how are we going to design that? That's going to be pretty awesome. Thinking of all the superhero movies and things like that. Isaiah 53.2 says this. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him, nor appearance that we should desire him. It isn't what we would have come up with if we were thinking God in human form. Look just like a normal person. There may be a lot more variety in eternity than we think. And it will all be muchness good. So some next steps. First, read and reread The passages that affirm that you are muchness good. They're on your outline on point number one. Maybe go back and read some of those this week and reread them. Thinking through exactly how God created you. That you are muchness good. Second thing. What warning signs does your body give you that you ignore? What do you need to do to pay attention to those warning signs? There's a great verse back in Psalm 139. We looked at some of that passage earlier. I absolutely love this verse because it describes some of how God thinks about us. David's writing David says, God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. So, God is thinking about something. It's God's thoughts that he's talking about. God's thinking about something, and whatever he's thinking about, it's, it's just a massive number of thoughts that God's having. And that God is thinking about that is precious to David. Okay? So, what's God thinking about? says if i counted them all these thoughts that you're having god that are precious to me these thoughts they would outnumber the grains of sand so god's having all these thoughts and they're precious to david and they're more thoughts than the sand grains of sand here's the thought when i wake up i am still with you In other words, what God's thinking about is David. I am still with you in your thoughts. In other words, the picture here is that David is sleeping. And while David's sleeping, God is thinking about David. And how much is he thinking about David? So much that it's more than all the grains of sand. And when David wakes up, it's like God saying, Oh, good, you're up. I was thinking about you all night long can't wait to spend the day with you. That's what God thinks about you. That's why he created you muchness good. That's why he has the Holy Spirit living within you and giving us all the opportunity to love the, God, love the Lord our God with all of ourselves, including our body. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this series. Thank you for the opportunity to love you with all of us. And may we ignore the lies that we hear from the world. And may we realize how you created us very good, muchness good. And may we offer our bodies to you in worship day by day. May we listen to the dashboard that you've created for us with our bodies. And we anticipate the day when you will give us glorified bodies. Where we'll worship you in forever. Thank you, God. We love you. In your name. Amen.